the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on 860 AM, The Answer. The show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial market, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Mark Hunt of Pacific Private Money. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack TAN certificate given away during this show. And that certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme is 1970s sitcoms. And I think we're all old enough to remember those. All right. Uh, our special guest today is Matthew Burke of Fairway America. Matthew, welcome. Do you, you go by Matt, though, don't you? Yeah, Matt's fine. Matt. Okay, Matt. Yeah, welcome to, to the be Best here. of Investing. Yeah. All right. Mark, take course, it away. I know you got a bunch of questions you want to ask Matt. So I'm particularly excited to have Matt as a guest today because 10 years ago this quarter, Matt was helping us at Pacific Private Money design and launch our first private placement. Since then, we are now on our seventh private placement, but really the foundation of the learning and the architecture and and the structure and how to raise money in a fund, that that learning really came from Matt and his then partner, Lance. And and I really, really appreciate and think very highly of you, uh, Matt, and what you've contributed and how many people you've helped in the industry. You were were the catalyst for, I, I believe, literally hundreds of private placements nationwide. And now one of your primary companies is doing fund administration uh, as well as fundraising and promotion for private placements. And as we've talked about here on The Best of Investing, we think in the alternative investment space, private placements present some of the best opportunities for investors out there today, particularly if you're concerned about stock market volatility or, or where you know crypto is, or maybe the, even the price of real estate, you're still waiting for it to come down. You know, where are investors today putting their money? And, and even gold and silver, because everyone talks about, oh, inflation protection, gold and silver. Yeah. Look, gold and silver hasn't done anything. But tell us, tell us a little bit about, about uh, share with the audience a little bit of your background, the, uh, the birth of uh, Fairway America and what you're working on today in, in the private placement world. Sure. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've run Fairway for uh, just celebrated our 30th year anniversary back in September. So hard to believe it's been 30 years and in that time frame. 
went from being a mortgage broker doing residential loans to doing private uh, private investor um, notes back starting in the late nineties and did a lot of matching up deals. One, one deal at a time, one investor at a time for several years, launched our first fund back in 2000, uh, 1999, 2000. And I think that process, Mark, really showed me how inefficient it was to hire a lawyer and try to figure out how to do it. And I made all the mistakes, right? Uh, made yeah. as many mistakes as you could make, but learned a lot along the way, did uh, another fund and ended up by the time the Great Recession hit in 2008, we were on our fourth fund, um, had a large credit facility, $50 million at that time with that fund and, and coming out of the backside of the downturn, they wouldn't renew that line. So I learned what it was like to wind a fund down. And I think coming out the other side of the Great Recession, I had a lot of people asking me my opinion about running a fund, setting it up, you know, what it was like, et cetera. And, and as we were coming out of winding that fund down, we decided, hey, there's a lot of people that really need that help. So we started doing a lot of advisory work for other managers around the country who were interested in setting up their own pooled investment fund. Um, so we came at it from a fund manager position as opposed to a legal position. Obviously, legal is important. Have to comply with securities law. You have to make sure you do all, you know, cover all, follow all the rules and cover all your bases. But I found for most people, Mark, that wasn't the uh, that wasn't really the issue. The issue was, you know, how do I originate, raise capital, manage assets, deal with the accounting and the legal, and because they all influence everything, influences everything else, and. Uh, you know, that, that took off and went quite well. We ended up starting an administration business to do the back office work after the funds got launched. And that business has since um, split off from Fairway. It started off as Redwood Real Estate Administration. We rebranded it. It's now called Veravest. Um, and that company has grown as well. And so, you know, it's been a journey, but I would say that our expertise really lies in, in setting up these funds, you know, non-institutional or sub-institutional size real estate and mortgage pool funds for people who've been doing it one deal at a time, helping them make that leap and helping them be successful. That, that's really what we've done for the last, the better part of the last 10 years. And you've also, as you mentioned, you did your own funds. What, what fund number are, is Fairway up to these days? Uh, I think we're on our 11th or 12th fund now. And, and, you know, not all of them have been the same. The first four or five were mortgage pool funds, We've done some, I'll call them mixed bag funds, where you have both equity and debt. We've done some GP co-invest funds where we partner up with specific people for the GP slug of, of equity for real estate deals. So it's been a variety of things, but we're, yeah, we're on our, okay. we're going on our 11th uh, or right. 12th fund at this point. Okay, Matt, stay with us. Uh, we're going to cut to our first commercial break. And when we come back, we have a lot of great questions and uh, topics to cover, the do's and don'ts, mistakes, misconceptions, uh, challenges, opportunities, et cetera. All right, here's our first uh, trivia question on 1970s uh, sitcoms. What were you watching if you hear Kiss My Grits spoken by a waitress named Flo? Actually, I never cared for this show, but uh, call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer wins that tanning certificate, which, by the way, is worth over $100, so it's a nice gift. Again, 1970s sitcom. What were you watching if you hear Kiss My Grits, spoken by a waitress named Flo? All right, stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. 
the best of investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my co-host, Mark Hoff of Pacific Private Money. Our first trivia question, what 1970s uh, sitcom were you watching if you hear Kiss My Grits, spoken by a waitress named Flo? What was the name of that show? I remember it, but I don't remember the name. I remember the, the tag. Matt, do you remember? Alice. Alice. That's right. Came okay, from Alice doesn't uh, live here anymore, I think. Um, something like that. Okay. So we are in the studio here with Matt Burke from Fairway America. Um, so, Matt, I want to ask you about setting up pool investment funds, uh, the do's and don'ts, mistakes, misconceptions, challenges, opportunities, open versus closed, debt versus uh, equity, et cetera. Um, so why don't, you, why don't you kind of go through the uh, maturation there? Sure. Uh, well, there's a lot of all those things, Edward. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think the first thing I would say to people is, is why do you want to set up a fund? Um, I think people, setting up a fund is aspirational, right? So most every manager I've ever met at one point or another has thought about setting up a fund, but I would say it's not for everybody. In fact, after 10 years of this now, I'm talking to literally thousands of managers that want to set up funds. Uh, for many of them, it's probably not the best idea. So I think step one is, you know, why do you want to do it and make sure you're clear on, on the why. Um, I think that people have a lot of beliefs about what a fund is going to be like. And yeah. uh, many of those beliefs don't pan out. So I think trying to be honest with themselves about, you know, what they can truly expect and talk to other people that have done it before. So you have a very clear idea of what you're in for. If you set up a fund is, is step one. So uh, the, the, for those people who you did in your analysis and said, eh, for what you want to do, a fund is not the right, what, what, what were the reasons? And then what did you recommend to them? Um, I, well, most of the time I recommend them to continue to do deals one at a time. Um, I think there's a, it's, it's easier to raise money, generally speaking, one deal at a time, especially in the beginning, because yeah. investors know exactly what they're investing into. So yeah. when they come into a fund, they're investing in an idea or a concept or a strategy, but they don't, the assets are not identified, right? So people who want to know specifically what the assets are, it's, it's you know, not for them. Um, I, I think that velocity is important. I mean, this is why mortgage pool funds, t- especially short-term bridge loans, tend to be a good structure for a fund because, um, you know, there's a lot of activity going on. If you have an origination capacity to do quite a number of loans and those loans cycle out pretty quickly, you know, capital is always coming back into the fund and you don't have to raise as much money as if you're investing in things that you're holding on to for five or 10 years, right? Because the money doesn't come back, you can't recycle it. So the, the, the origination capacity of the manager and the velocity of the assets is a very important factor and whether or not it makes sense to. Yeah, no, that totally, that totally makes sense. I mean, I can see where, you know, it would not make sense to do these one-off deals. We do all this paperwork. If you're going to do a short-term bridge loan, it's going to last three months. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So there, there are, uh, and then I'd say understanding where and how you're going to raise the capital is an important part of, of uh, running a fund. And I think a lot of people, don't really know. I mean, I, I've heard, I can't tell you guys how many times I've heard people say this, but when I ask them, why do you want to set up a fund? They'll say, well, because I want to have the money sitting there. When I go out and make the uh, 
make the offer on the property or when I go to do the deal, it helps me, you know, be able to get my, uh, get, get the deals tied up more easily. Like and my next question is, well, what makes you think that just because you set up a fund that the money will be sitting there? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, and that's, that's exactly right. I think the fallacy of the fund and, and I've met, I meet a lot of these people too, who say, who, when they learn that I've set up multiple funds, they look for advice and recommendations and, and, you know, what you're referring to is, is a blind pool fund and blind pool funds are not popular among investors. I mean, if you're looking to raise millions of dollars and you're, you're hoping to get big check writers, people writing, you know, a hundred thousand, 200,000, 500,000 dollar checks, which are the, you know, re, uh, investors that we tend to serve, um, you know, they, they're, they're sharp. They're, they've, they probably have invested in private placements before and they don't want to invest in blind pools. And, and a blind pool is basically, as you described, it's like, well, I'm going to go out and raise a bunch of money. Then I'm going to go out and buy real estate. Well, you know, real estate syndications are, 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 is a great way to, to, to make money and to help investors, you know, earn, you know, real estate type, uh, you know, high double digit yields. But you really, it's kind of the, the cat and mouse game or the, or the cart yeah. before the horse. It's you, you almost need to, you kind of have the conversations with the prospective investors, line them up, get, you know, what's called soft commitments. Yeah, I'd have an interest if you found something good. And then you got to go bird dog, you know, good deals that you could potentially get in contract. It, it very much is a, a chicken and an egg process if you're going to do real estate investment type syndications. But there are a lot of people out there who are doing it quite successfully. And the, the hardest part is, getting that first one done. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what happens there, Mark, is that, that if somebody has something under contract, right, that it, it's easier to get people to say yes to a deal where they know exactly what uh, property they're putting their money into, but people have hard deadlines, right? You put the money up, you've got yeah. earnest money, you've got a 60 day close, you have a finite period of time to raise that money. And for the managers putting up their own money generally to tie the property up, there's a lot of pressure to get that money raised in a short period of time. So the fantasy is, well, if I had a fund, I'd have all the commitments up in front in advance and I'd know I have the money, which gives me more confidence when I'm going in and tying up the property. So, but what they don't put two and two together on is that just because you create the fund doesn't automatically mean that you've got a bunch of commitments sitting there. You got to go get commitments from investors who are pledging to give you money subject to deals they don't even know anything about. That That is a super high bar. It's a yeah. higher bar than a syndication. And a lot of people underestimate the difficulty you know, of, of doing well, it. Here, so, here's the other part of it is that if you're trying to explain why you're going to give them such a great rate of return, you can't have money sitting idle for months while you're trying to find that deal. Because the people, that's when they're putting their money up, they're expecting their rate of return to start the day that they. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, which gets into a lot of specifics around, you know, how do you take the money in without committing, without the pref starting to tick? And like there's just there's so many things that people I use this analogy all the time and on multiple podcasts and, you know, things I've done. But. It, it's a it's a lot like having children, you know. You don't you don't really know what it's like to have kids until you've had them. I mean, you can babysit all you want, your your nephew and your niece, and you can read parenting books and you can go to like classes and such, but you really don't know for sure what it's like until you have have kids. That's what it's like running a fund, right? You just can't know until you're in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. agreed. All right, all right, guys. We come back. Uh, we do uh, at some point we're going to hit an email uh, that we received from Mark that says, how often do you raise or lower your interest rates to your borrowers and your lenders Mm. in your fund? All right. Uh, Our second trivia question uh, is 
It has to do, again, with uh, 1970s sitcom. In 2021, this show was in its 47th season, but it started in 1975. Yeah, that makes sense. When Chevy Chase was uh, was with them. What TV sitcom are we talking about? It's actually, technically, it's not a sitcom, I wouldn't consider, but it, it was a 1970s show. That's what's called. I think so. Yeah, you I, I know the answer. Okay, 888-912-1190. First caller with correct answer wins that tanning certificate. Stay with us. Best of Investing. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing one more time. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hopp of Pacific Private Money, our special guest, Matt Burke. Our trivia question number two in 2021, this show was in its 47th season, started in 1975, uh, and Chevy Chase was one of the originals. What's the name of the show? On Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. All right. That was a softball. That was too easy. That was a little too easy. Okay. I want to make a quick mention here for the Mount View Hotel and Spa in Calistoga. They're offering 25% off all rooms this season. Check them out at mountviewhotel.com. All right. Actually, the next trivia question we have is going to be even easier. You'll like it. Okay. All, all right. right. Another, another question for Matt. So um, we've been talking about you know, the, the structure side, the sponsor side of putting a fund together. Let's look at the pivot over to the investor side of it. Um, I I'm a, I'm a big proponent to, to investors to look at, you know, uh, private placements, uh, and, uh, you know, as part of their, you know, alternative investment portfolio of the funds that you have, you know, yourself sponsored and you've helped with others and, and you're administering, do you, do you have a favorite type of, of private placement uh, that you that you think uh, you know investors most investors should be looking at I wouldn't say I have a favorite mark I'd think that it depends on as always the objectives of the investors mm-hmm. right so if somebody's looking for you know predictable reliable cash flow versus are they looking for tax advantages or you know significant growth you know it, it really varies depending on the type of investor, but I'd say for cash flow oriented vehicles, debt is almost always better than, than equity in my opinion, because, you know, their, their coupons, their interest rates. And if you got a good underwriter, a good manager that knows what they're doing, that, that knows how to underwrite, you should, they should reliably be able to produce decent uh, real-time income returns. If you start investing in direct real estate ownership, even if you think there's going to be cash flow, a lot of times there may not be because expenses are too high or you have unexpected capital expenditures that you might have to deal with or whatever. So equity, you know, if you're looking for tax advantages, equity is definitely better, right? Because debt is always going to be, you know, ordinary income, right? So it really depends on what the investor's after as to which one is the best. I, I would tell you the number one piece of advice I give to people is, you know, bet on the jockey first, Right. Pick, pick the right manager, regardless of whether you're investing in debt or equity, know what your objectives are, and then you can narrow it down from there. Well, that's why uh, we like at Pacific Private Money doing uh, debt funds, because uh, you like being the bank. And as Mr. Wonderful says on Shark Tank, we like cash flow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
<laughs> we're, and here's, here's the other thing is that, you know, when you're, you're doing loans and you're getting good interest rates, uh, you're in at, you know, 50, 60, maybe 70 cents on the dollar. So if anything go, you know, goes a little topsy-turvy, then you can end up owning the real estate for a lot less than retail. Yeah. And I've, I've found, you know, I've done a lot of loans over the years, Edward, as you guys know, and I'd say very, very rarely have I ever hit a home run on a property I had to take back in foreclosure. Usually there's a reason why that's happening, right? It's yeah. your main point is like, you've got collateral. So if somebody stops paying, if you've done your job halfway decent, you should never completely lose your capital, right? In a, in a debt investment, but you're also super unlikely to hit home runs by foreclosing and taking property back. That's worth vastly more than, than your loan amount, at least in my experience. Yeah. I spent a lot of time talking with investors and, what I describe in terms of, you know, why alts, why, why private placements, why should they consider, you know, investing a portion of their savings uh, in, in an alternative investment uh, or private placement. And, and I say, well, you know, if you, if you understand or you believe real estate is, uh, you know, one of the biggest and, and most uh, successful wealth builder, wealth building tools, you know, in our generation and even our previous generations uh, and, uh, and yet you're 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 a little bit hesitant right now because you know we kind of hit the top of the market uh, and it looks like last year we we hit it and and real estate's gone down, but you understand real estate and you know you appreciate uh, you know the integrity of real estate and the stability of real estate in general. Um, real estate debt is something you should really look at. And so for, for funds that uh, like some of the ones that, uh, that we operate, if, you know, funds that make uh, bridge loans, short-term loans, uh, as opposed to long-term loans, I love short-term loans. That's, that's our favorite vehicle here at Pacific Private Money. We just, we love making consumer bridge loans. We like making commercial bridge loans. We do ground up construction. Those are a little bit longer term. They can tend to be 18 months, but uh, we, you know, in a short-term viewpoint, let's just say 12 months, you know, real estate just doesn't move that quickly. And oh. it's funny how in our brains uh, and in conversations and in articles, there's always the reference to the real estate crash in 2008. Well, you know, I was doing hard money loans in 2007, 2008, 2009, and 2010. And during the, that four-year period, generally prices were going down. And yes, in some markets, it dropped as much as 50% from valuations that probably weren't even real to begin with. But it happened over an extended period of time. And I never lost a dollar of principal on any of the loans that we made in, in my earlier, in my career uh, back then in, in seven, eight, and nine. So, you know, you can uh, still make smart loans to real estate entrepreneurs who are taking advantage of market conditions. Um, I've heard many people say there's no such thing as a bad real estate market. Um, it's just there's different opportunities depending on which way the market's going, even in a flat market or a declining market. In declining markets, the real estate entrepreneurs come forward. Uh, we'll talk more about that uh, when we come back. When we come back, yeah. We also want to talk uh, a little bit about uh, uh, the current market environment. want to hear your, uh, your take on that. Yeah. All right. And when we come back, also, I want to ask Mark his uh, email question. All right. Our third trivia question. We're talking 1970 sitcom. This actually was a 1970 sitcom. Meathead, Dingbat, and Stifle Yourself are associated with what show? Call 888-912-1190. The first caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. Again, Meathead, Dingbat, and Stifle Yourself 
are associated with what show. All right, stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The Best of Investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to the best of investing. Last time, or now, now we got one more segment after this. I'm Edward Brown along with Mark Taunt, our special guest, Matt Burke. All right, uh, third trivia question Meathead, Dingbat, and Stifle Yourself self, are associated with what TV show? Matt knows that. All in the family. All in the family. Very good. All right, you guys are two for three. Awesome. All right. Um, so, Matt, let, let's get into this uh, current uh, market environment, you know, the impact of interest rates, uh, increase in interest rates, and challenges and opportunities in the market. Um, and the impact on various types of asset and classes. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, the uh, very, very rapid increase in interest rates throws kind of the capital markets for a loop. So uh, you've you've seen volume dry up significantly in real estate acquisitions. You know, I think the um, depends on depends on what asset type you're in but for the most part volume has dropped off a cliff as far as real estate transactions go i think lenders are are having kind of a heyday now because you know when they were battling low interest rates for years and now if you're a private lender and the primes at what was it at seven or seven and a half now um you know i haven't seen those days since you know like the early early mid 90s right so um you know, it's an interesting time. I think fundamentally the economy is a lot stronger than it was back in the Great Recession. So I don't think that it's not a, you know, bank health issue the way it was back in the day when when yeah. lenders got crazy, carried away with subprime loans to people that had no prayer of paying them back, right? And then securitizing them in mass and causing systemic financial issues. I, I don't think it's that, but, you know, but I do think that if the Fed keeps the interest rates high and keeps raising them, it's going to cause some pain for some people for, for some period of time until the market stabilizes. You know, one interesting thing too, difference is, is that now a lot of people have a fair amount of equity in their properties <clears throat> compared to back in 2008, there wasn't as much. So, you know, it was a little easier for them to walk away. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. There's a number of reasons why we're not going to see the same kind of uh, real estate, you know, market downturn that we saw in 2008. And, and one of them is, is that very reason you've got uh, the highest amount of homeowner equity ever. Um, they're not sitting on, e- even the people that bought a home, you know, at the height of the market last year, uh, they're likely a- a- sitting at a very low interest rate. So uh, yeah. you've got uh, most people who, who who could refi, did refi, uh, and you've still got an inventory issue. So you just don't have the, you don't have the metrics that would support you know, uh, uh, a crash bros that some of those people are referred to who are, you know, Filling our news feeds with dire warnings of real estate crashes. Those are really self-serving, um, you know, reports. They're not even really news. I mean, if you think about it, if someone had like, okay, I'm a good example, right? I, I refinanced at a really, really low interest rate. If I sell my house and I go buy another house, unless I'm going to pay all cash for it, the interest rate's going to kill me. So I'm not going to move. 
And they're yeah, well, that fundamentally that. depresses the value of the property, at least for some time period, right? So yeah, it's just, it's a crazy kind of an environment at the moment. I do think to your point earlier, Mark, there's, there are opportunities in every market, right? They just look a little bit different. They come in a different wrapper depending on what's going on in the market. So I think there are still some very attractive and unique investment opportunities out there. They're just different than they were two or three years ago. Well, so, as a lender, so we're, we're in the private lending business, been doing this for 15 years. And what changes is not the, not the, the demand, but the nature of the demand. And, and what I mean by that is we have loan requests coming out our ears. We can't, we can't come, come close to funding the number of loans we'd like to. Um, in fact, if anything, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're raising capital in our funds. Um, and one of the things that we're seeing uh, with a lot of our potential investors is some of them are, you know, kind of sitting on the sidelines right now. They're, they're kind of in a wait and see approach, which we understand. And we believe a lot of those guys will be coming back uh, to, to look at, uh, you know, what, what we have and others have to offer pretty soon. But, but generally, like, you know, a year ago, long-term rental was, uh, was a big deal before interest rates spiked up. Um, today, we're seeing a lot of infill ground-up construction loans, a lot of construction completion loans where they ran out of money from their bank yeah. because the price of materials went up. Uh, yeah. Seeing a lot of bridge where um, they need to pay off the construction loan, but it's not quite ready to sell yet. So we do a lot of six-month bridge. So it's just oh, and the consumer bridge. The consumer bridge still is as popular as ever. While, albeit, we did have fewer transactions in the last quarter, uh, we see that picking up again. Yeah, I do want to make a quick point. You know, Mark, you mentioned about how a lot of people sitting on the sidelines trying to wait for their next investment, which is is a perfect feeder to your freedom fund because there's no hold. They just have to give you a 30-day notice when they want their money back, and you're paying anywhere from 7 to 9 plus percent, depending upon how much money they put in. So it's a yeah, great so place to park your money. So the freedom fund is a private placement uh, that has, you know, traditional um, – uh, operating and offering documents. And as uh, Matt will appreciate, you know, he, he well knows that all private placements have, do have uh, a minimum lockup period spelled out in the offering documents. And even our freedom fund says that, you know, you, you promise to keep the money in for 12 months. The difference with the freedom fund is we don't have a penalty for early withdrawal. We're silent on that. And, and so, you know, we don't encourage people to pull their money out, but uh, we basically tell them, look, we're, we're going to rent your money. Uh, at an interest rate dependent on the amount of money you invest. Um, and uh, if by chance you need it uh, uh, earlier than a year, you know, give us 30 days notice and, and, uh, uh, and we'll be able to process that. And that has been, that's been a, Matt, that's been a hit among traditional real estate investors and others who have sold a business or sold real estate. They don't want to lock it up in a fund. They'd like to kind of, you know, keep their powder dry, so to speak. And again, it's uh we, we, you know, we kind of straddle a little bit of a maybe of a, of a gray area there, but uh, it's been a popular uh, recipient of capital, you know, based on the fact that, look, there's no penalty for early withdrawal, but you are going to, you know, sign an offering that says you promise to keep it in there for 12 yeah, months. And, and Matt, I mean, you've been doing this for a very long time. You've seen thousands of these. How many have you seen that have these kind of provisions in them that are paying this higher rate of return? Well, I suspect if I read those documents, it's going to say, as Mark points out, that I'm I'm agreeing to a 12-month lockup, right? Because yeah. that 12-month mm-hmm. lockup is is foundational to securities law and private placements, right? Exactly. You can't, it cannot be redeemable in less than 12 months and still be considered a private placement. 
So I think people then have to believe that, you know, you'll a have the liquidity to be able to honor that that you know if they do ask for it within 30 days and not charge them something you know i think a lot of that boils down to how do people feel about their ability to execute on that and right because at the the end of the day i mean let's put it this way i've seen lots of people go into deals where they thought they had something based on what the manager told them, but the documents didn't necessarily say that. And then that's great as long as it's great. And then when it's not, it's not right. So it's by, it's relatively binary. So the types of loans that Pacific private money is doing in the freedom fund uh, kind of differentiates it. And that's, I think why they can provide the liquidity. Tell you what, stay with us. We're going to be right back with some closing comments. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff of Pacific Private Money and our special guest, Matt Burke of Fairway America. Uh, we do have, we didn't have a trivia question, but uh, Mark, an email comes in and says, how often do you raise or lower your interest rates to your borrowers and then to your lenders? And I think they mean they're the investors. Well, it depends on the nature of the, of the syndication or, or rather more, more appropriate private placement. I've been using syndication or private placement as the same. And as Matt knows, they're not, they're not the same. So we do private placements uh, uh, for our funds. And um, some of them are written with preferred returns and then a split of profit thereafter. You know, those require, you know, generally a vote of the members to change. So it's a little bit, um, you know, it's not as easy to change those we also offer a couple of fixed rate um, uh, funds that we can and do raise and lower those uh, based on market conditions. And of course, when you lower them, you also got to give them, you know, the opportunity to uh, not approve that or, or, you know, or liquidate their funds. So it's, it's easier to raise it than it is to lower it. But we have uh, particularly, like, for example, in our Freedom Fund, we launched it two years ago, offering 6%. Then we raised it to seven percent. Then we raised it for uh, based on amounts invested. So someone who uh, invests five hundred thousand to a million, we're offering them eight percent. If they offer over a million uh, or deposit over a million, uh, we're paying nine percent. So so here here's an idea. I, I just came up with this. Instead of the raising and lowering, what would happen if you just gave out a, a just a, like a one time bonus at the end of the year? It's not guaranteed. Did you just happen to say, hey, Merry Christmas? And then, you know, because you're still back to, let's say, your fixed 8% rate. And then that way you don't have to worry about rising and lowering it. It's just like, yeah, we just decided to give you a little bonus. Is well, there, there are fund accounting rules. I, I, I would have to ask my CPA whether oh, okay. that's kosher and whether there's any violation. You know, again, you have offering documents and you got to pay attention to those. You can't just necessarily be renegade on it. But, uh, but you know, many funds are responsive to interest rates and most private placements have raised their PREF or, or raised their fixed rate if they're a fixed rate uh, uh, market. 
Gotcha. Matt, uh, Mark, how do people get a hold of you if they have more questions about your funds? PacificPrivateMoney.com. That's the best way to learn more about our offering and our family of funds. PacificPrivateMoney.com. All right. And Matt, you got one minute. Tell us what you're doing, working on now, and then give out your information. Yeah, we're, uh, we're launching a new fund here pretty soon, uh, focused on the build-to-rent space, uh, buying uh, uh, single-family communities, using them as rentals. So that's something we've done a lot of. On the Veravest side, we're launching a technology product called Fund Builder that helps people build, automate the process of building their syndication and their fund, doing it all online so you eliminate the the back and forth with lawyers and so forth. And you still want to engage securities council, of course, but this just streamlines the process, makes it faster, simpler, easier, cheaper for people to set up syndications and pool investment funds. And that product is scheduled to launch here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Uh, How do people get a hold of you if they have questions about this? Uh, Fairwayamerica.com on the fairway side or veravest.com on the uh, veravest side. All right, Matt, it was a pleasure uh, having you. Now we're going to go to our thoughts for the day. Mark's favorite part of the show. All right, because we always have a little bit of a year. Okay, so years ago, I lost my job at the bank on my very first day. Why? Because a woman asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her over. I didn't go over too well. And uh, did you hear about the mathematician who was afraid of negative numbers? Uh, He stops at nothing to avoid them. Uh, and lastly, uh, do you want to hear my joke about straws? Eh, never mind. It sucks. All right. Tune in next week to the best of investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions and coming up with more dad jokes, I'm sure. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for The Best of Investing on 860 AM. The Answer. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.